Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Victory Points Bible Reading Podcast. This is Dwight Beal, and I'm with my longtime friend, Bruce Snope. Howdy. Howdy. So Bruce and I have known each other. See, I didn't do the math, Bruce. Have you done the math recently? Oh, Lord. 85. So 1985. So that was 36 years ago. 95, 2015. Yeah. 36 years so, ago. So why don't you tell our listeners how we first met? Um, when, well, I, ju- <laughs> I just turned 18 and uh, two friends of mine and I operated a DJ company for local schools. We just jockeyed dances and everything Friday Sound nights. Spectra. It's called Sound Spectra. <laughs> and a friend of ours who was a friend of yours knew we had a whole light and sound package. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, I got this band that needs some sound and lights. Are you guys interested? It was a gig. It was we a gig. And, yep. Yeah. And it was a band called Emmaus Road, which mm-hmm. you were a part of. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we first met you and the rest of the guys in Emmaus Road. And how did you feel about the fact that we were a Christian band at the time? At the time, my thought was, if they don't preach to me, I won't destroy their faith. So we're good. <laughs> we'll all just be happy. It was a match made in heaven. So <laughs> we had this ragtag group of three three young dudes who came along, and yeah, it was a good time. And maybe just fast forward, I don't know, a year or two, um, weren't we at Genesis? Yeah, Genesis 1986. So just a year later mm-hmm. when God did something in your heart. Yeah, um, God had been working on it. You guys, the whole Mayus Road crew had showed me a side of Christianity I hadn't seen in the world. of. Christ- I grew up in West Michigan, so I grew up around Christianity completely, mm-hmm. uh, despised it and hated it. Um, but the guys in Mayus Road showed me a Christianity that I've come to believe now was a true form of Christianity and mm-hmm. not churchianity if you want to call it that right um that led me to to look at god and christ in a whole new way and realize um the relationship and the uh desire for greater community with the divine that Mm -hmm. you can have Mm -hmm. well tell me about your uh your family Uh, well you don't need to tell me i i know your family (laughs) (laughs) tell tell our listeners um I, I, my, for you at Victory Point, my bride Beth uh, sings here every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been married, oh Lord, 27 years. Yeah, 27 years. And um, we have four kids, and my oldest is married. So we have five kids now. Mm-hmm. Um, and just trying to follow Christ. And I, we've been blessed beyond comparing that all four kids are following Christ. All five kids now are following Christ daily and just trying to, to do God's will as we walk through this world. That's awesome. What, what do you do for work? I, um, if you don't notice me in any ways, because I'm in the back of the soundboard for work, I do tech. I do sound, lighting, and video for different organizations, groups, and things like that. So, yeah, Bruce is back in the booth most Sundays running sound and uh, kind of helping our, our crew up there. And he also works at West Ottawa Fine Arts. Yeah, but I run the Fine Arts Center for West Ottawa. Yeah. And other things when I'm not doing that. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for being part of this podcast uh, with us. You know, uh, Bruce and I have spent many, many hours talking about the Bible together, whether we're on the road in an old beat up Chevy van going to a gig um, or Bruce has a barn behind his house and for 11 or 12 years yeah, or wow. so he's been hosting most Monday nights. It's just kind of an open door policy to a bunch of guys that we've been in relationship with for years. And he calls it insula. Uh, is that a Ray Vanderlaan word? Or officially it's a Latin word, but Ray Vanderlaan uses it. And that's where I heard it from Ray. Okay. Um, in one of his sermons he was giving, or one of his teachings. And what does giving. it mean? A uh, community. Well, in, in literal translation, it means community or apartment dwelling. Um, so when the oldest son would get married, the woman would move into the household mm -hmm. and become part of the household. And they would all gather together as one family. Mm -hmm. And the quest that I took from that is... We live in America today where everyone owns their own house and we're not going to all sell our stuff and move in with Dwight, although he's got a nice big house. So how can you be community apartment dwellers together in America today? Mm -hmm. And that's what birthed Insula. So he's got this cool barn and a bunch of guys. And on Monday nights during football season, that a football game might be on. But we may or may not be watching it, but lots of great conversations. And yeah. we've 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 talked about God's word a ton. So doing this podcast with Bruce for me feels just like old times and something we've done many times before. So well, and one quick thing I'd like to say, um, just in case I, I offend anyone who is listening, one of the core beliefs I have with God's word most things, but with God words, especially mm -hmm. is you have to risk heresy in order to get to God's truth. We all grow up learning things that are mostly from our traditions, our denominations, or our history of education around us. And to just assume they're right, isn't always true. Hmm. So you have to risk offending or sounding a little heretical in order to dig deeper to get to God's truth, because God's truth does get shaped occasionally by us to a point where it's no longer God's truth. Hmm. It's our wisdom, hmm. but not necessarily what God is calling us to. And mm -hmm. so I I feel the questioning and pushing the hmm. limits of what we, we've grown to know communitively sometimes is a good thing because it helps us push past what you grew up believing. The culture yeah. we have, because each, each Christian believes, if you grew up in 20th century America like I do, there's a certain set of ideals. Mm -hmm. If you grew up in the 20th, 19th century Europe, you'd have a different set, mm -hmm. different thinking, different teaching. If you mm -hmm. grew up in the 20th century Russia, mm -hmm. when it when the walls came down and everything exploded, you'd have a different set of ideals because of how you grew up, what you looked at it, where you looked at it. And so I believe we have to push beyond just, well, I was taught this, so I believe it, right? to seek scripture and, right. and get to an ultimate truth, if there is one, yeah. of what God is trying to say for us in this day and age. Yeah. So I have a friend who used to tell me, we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. That's great. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that kind of similar to what you're yes, saying? Very much so. So knowing that we see the world as we are, we have to sometimes risk our own personal cultural beliefs and push through them because there might be a deeper truth underneath all that. Yeah. yeah I love that. Appreciate that. Well, uh, with that, Bruce, why don't you 
uh, head into our Bible reading today, which comes from 2 Samuel chapter 18, 5 to 9, and then verse 15, and then 31 to 33. Okay. Um, the king commanded Joab, and you'll have to forgive me on some of these names, Yeah, Abishai and Ittai, be gentle with my with the young man Absalom for my sake. And all the troops heard the king giving orders concerning Absalom to each of the commanders. David's army marched out of the city to fight Israel. And the battle took place in the forest of Ephraim. There Israel troops were routed by David's men. The casualties that day were great, 20,000 men. The battle spread out over the whole countryside and the forest swallowed up more men the day that day than the sword. Now Absalom happened to be happened to meet David's men. He was riding his mule, and as the mule went under a thick under thick branches of an oak tree, Absalom's hair got caught in the tree, and he was left hanging in midair while the mule he was riding kept on going. In verse 15. And ten of Joab's armor bearers surrounded Absalom, struck him, and killed him. And then down to 31. Then the Cushite arrived and said, My lord the king, hear the good news. The lord has vindicated you today by delivering you from the hand of all those who rose up against you. The king asked the Cushite, Is the young man Absalom safe? The Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up to harm you be like that young man. The king was shaken, and he went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Well, not a real warm, fuzzy passage <laughs> today, huh? Well, and, and it's... No, but it, it, I, was, I was a little taken with it when I first read just the passages it said. And everything in me said, I need more this was kind of like i got three images from a movie that don't exactly make sense hmm. so i had to go back and go back to actually into 18 a little mm -hmm. and read all the way through 20 yes to get the context of what it was saying yes i wasn't familiar with the story so mm -hmm. nothing's immediately coming to mind oh that and this and that's <laughs> right oh that reminds me when i got stuck in a tree with my hair yeah i mean i have longer hair but there's no way i would hang from a tree <laughs> if i rode under it right so what did you discover as you took in the wider context of the story? Well, there were a lot of interesting things, but I think as I went back to it and tried to boil it down to one thing that it did mean, or you could take away from in that time, but it would still apply today with us because not having Kings and battles on the same field right here and right now. Right. Um, how would that work to me today? And I, for me, this, fit very well with where we live in America today. And I, I wrote down here, sometimes you have to be disobedient to obey. Okay. Say more about that. Well, Joab, who was the yeah. first one to strike Absalom in his army, when he found Absalom hanging there, one of his men said, hey, I saw Absalom. He's hanging in a tree, stuck. He's alive, but he's there. Joab went up and first kind of berated the man for not killing him and then threw three spears at him and then had his men go and finish the job off where David had said, don't treat him well, be kind with him. 
Hmm. But as you go through and read further, God didn't punish Joab for his acts. Hmm. That was David's heart. But, and when you, when you, when I read a couple of commentaries on this to try and figure out a little bit more, and they talked about how God wanted to protect David, hmm. even at the cost of his son. Hmm. And as even David said, he would have died rather than have Absalom die. Mm-hmm. But Absalom, <laughs> David was a great king, a man after God's own heart that I can tell from my reading, he was a horrible parent. Absalom was a horrible kid mm. and overthrew by force the throne, made David go on the run, and then kept trying to kill him, much as Saul did earlier. Mm-hmm. And um, it was going to come down to Absalom or David was going to have to die for mm-hmm. this to be resolved. Mm-hmm. And Joab knew that. And because he was loyal to David, would take out the opposition when mm-hmm. needed, whether the, that was what the king's heart was or not. Mm-hmm. And so as I looked at that in our society today, um, and ironically in the last three to five years, it's ramped up much, much more. Our belief structure, our biblical beliefs are being challenged by the ruling authorities Hmm. saying, this is what you have to do. This is what you must do. Hmm. But there will be times where we have to be disobedient to what is around us. Right. To be obedient to God. Right. Even if it costs us something. Mm-hmm. You know, Joab was the leader of the army. And at the end of, um, actually in the middle of 19, David is not happy. So he just basically says, Joab, you're out. Mm-hmm. Now, ironically, a chapter later, God reinstates Joab and he's commander of all of the Israelite armies. Once the once they defeat Israel and Judah and Israel combine under David again, Joab is reinstated because mm-hmm. God wanted David on the throne. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to be willing to be bold Mm-hmm. And risk, for sure, condemnation, if not penalty, mm-hmm. to stand up for God. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, in my life, um, I grew up in a very safe time, was never forced to go to war. And mm-hmm. by the time America was actually in a war, well, the first time, the police action, I was way too young. The second time, I was a little bit too old to mm-hmm. just re- enlist when um, mm-hmm. 94 came around. Mm-hmm. So... I haven't had to deal with those things, but mm-hmm. we do have to deal with all of the issues coming up today in and with the church mm. where society says, Oh, you're prejudiced. You're wrong. You have to do this. You have to do that. Mm-hmm. And God's word says something different. And I think there are times where we're in life, we're going to have to stand up and be disobedient to the world and the rulers of this world mm-hmm. so that we can be obedient to God. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, Acts chapter three and four, where Peter and John and the disciples are out preaching and they get thrown in jail and they get flogged and they eventually get released. And then they're told, now don't do that anymore. You've got to stop doing this. And they said, given the choice between obeying you and obeying God, we have to obey God. Yeah. Right. And of course, they kept on preaching. And-, yeah. and that's a position. And growing up in the West Michigan area, um, I don't think I've been aware of or known that we've had to take until recently in my yeah. life. I, I agree. That when you obeyed God, for the most part, especially growing up in the 70s and early 80s, if you obeyed God really strongly, you were pretty much obeying the laws of the land. Mm-hmm. You didn't push too far. Mm-hmm. But we've come to a point in our American culture 
where if you obey God, there's risk of you being arrested for hate speech. Hmm. You know, there's risk for you being uh, arrested for denying someone's rights, mm-hmm. you know, for saying the wrong words and this and that. And it's an, it's a new life we're living in. It's a new culture we're living in mm-hmm. that doesn't hold itself. So I've never grown up under that type of uh, a rule. Right. And my kids, and when I finally have them, and our grandkids will. And that's mm-hmm. an, an interesting thought process. Mm-hmm. I say interesting because right now there's no harsh, strong consequences for preaching the gospel or standing on God's word. Right. And, you know, as <laughs> as um, our friend uh, John Groders does a, has done a film on Richard Wormbrand called Torture for Christ. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Richard said that really hits me hard every day is mm. there are those who believe mm. and there are those who think they believe mm. until troubles come and then they have to decide mm-hmm. which one are you. Right. And it's my whole life, I believe, the, my whole life of believing, I believed but I never had anybody flogging me. Yeah, right. I never had anybody throwing me in jail or demoting me completely and making my life miserable. Right. So I don't know if I believed or I just thought I believed. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't. I'm not one who invites torture. <laughs> there are some people who are welcome to it and they are such saints. I can't believe it. But we're getting a point in life where I'm going, no, I'm going to have to stand up and really know I believe this because I'm going to be called to the carpet by our culture. Mm-hmm. So I better believe it because if you don't believe it, you'll back down when the, the masses come to your door. Right. Well, thanks for your, for being bold, Bruce. <laughs> um, it doesn't surprise me one bit. This is a kind of par for the course kind of conversation that we have in the barn and insula. But uh, I think you make some great points. I I just wrote down two short things after the, after I read through this passage. Um, One is it just struck me that uh, when Saul was killed, this guy who was hunting David for years, when Saul was killed, David went into mourning. I don't understand that. Um, When his son Absalom was killed, who was hunting him down to kill him, David went into mourning. It, it's like uh, this guy uh, loved people who hated him, you know. Um, and I, I would agree with you. I, I don't think uh, there's not a lot about David's parenting skills <laughs> uh, and not a lot of evidence of great parenting. Yes. But he did love God and he did love people at a in some ways at, at a level that's almost hard to understand, you know? Uh, and I just wrote down here, how he loved his son, even though his son was, was wicked and was trying to kill him. So, but just from a cultural standpoint, you, you bring up some great things that we, uh, it's really interesting. Last night I had a dream. And in that dream, I was talking with someone about how Jesus told us that um, that in the same way that the world hated him, that the world will hate us as well. And I don't know who I was talking to in my dream. I don't know what the context of the dream was, but I, I, I woke up and I thought, it's so interesting. Why was I dreaming that, you know? 
other than maybe just a reminder from the Holy Spirit that maybe those days are coming, you know, and that we need yeah. to be prepared um, to, to love like Jesus did, but to be prepared to be hated uh, at the same time. Uh, well, uh, how, oh gosh, we've gone 20 whole minutes, Bruce. <laughs> um, we should probably wrap things up. So that concludes this Monday's podcast. We hope you join us tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, August 3. And we'll be here same time, same bat channel. God bless you.